Hi, I'm Renee Philpott, and this is Selling with Charm. After over 26 years in sales, there's one thing I have learned. Sales is fun. Join me as I help you simplify your sales process, and together we will reach your weekly, monthly, and yearly goals. Let's get started. Welcome to Selling with Charm. I thought I would record podcast number one with the person who I began it all with, and that is my husband, Earl. We're going to talk past careers, how we ended up working together, and what led us to starting our own business. Plus, you'll hear about the fear behind the leap. Let's get down to business. So Earl, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. My listeners get to hear a lot of my sales tips and stories about sales, but they have not heard much about me before I knew things about sales and about maybe our business that you and I have together. So I thought we could share a little bit about us and uh, just our story and how we got to how we met, how we ended up in business together and how that works for us. That sounds great. So tell me, Earl, a little bit about yourself. Well, my, most people know me by Renee's husband uh, that probably listened to this. And um, my name's Earl Philpott and you know, grew up in Southeast Kentucky, um, on a, worked on a, a farm, you know, went to a local school and um, just, uh, you know, really grew up that way. Never had done much and didn't know nothing about business or never thought I would ever be in business. Um, so that was not a thought. Um, so uh, met Renee at a you know at a young age. Um, you know, I was sixteen, she was fifteen, and as we like to tell everybody, she was laying in a coffin, and so that's always an interesting story. So she she may never not didn't think she's a salesperson, but she was selling, and uh, so uh, it kind of started from there. And you know, we uh, you know dated for a couple years, uh, was engaged for a couple years, and uh, got married. Uh, you know, twenty and nineteen. And, um, you know, kind of, there's a long path down the history from that. So we, I was in a coffin when we met. Now, I should explain, it was Halloween when we met. And I was at a friend's house. They had dug out a coffin because one of them's grandparents had been in the business of building coffins. Not like we know them, just um very much just a box with a lid uh, it was shaped like a coffin but not fancy at all and I don't know how they talked me into getting into the coffin I don't remember it being a debate I just said okay and uh, it worked out pretty well because you were bringing your younger brothers and sisters to uh trigger treat and we met so it worked out pretty well did you think that was strange that I was in a coffin um, I thought it was strange, but I thought, well, you know, if this girl lay in a coffin like right there, she must be a lot of fun. So, <laughs> okay. I never, never met nobody laying in a coffin, so that wasn't getting paid to be in a amusement park. Well, I wasn't getting paid to be there, so I must have just been a target. I don't know, <laughs> but it was fun, um, and I don't know if I would do that now, but I didn't have a second thought about it then. Um, so you started your, I always think this is funny because I say when we met, you hardly had shirts with sleeves. Would you say that's right? Yeah, I probably didn't own a button up shirt and probably didn't own but a couple polos. So everything I had was t-shirts and half of them had the sleeves cut out of them. I mean, playing football and growing up on a farm and didn't see the need for them. So you're, um, you've had lots of jobs. So your very first job, um, Beyond the farm, what was it? Um, I was a, a janitor in a local school. Um, worked there um, part time to help pay for my um, vocational school, and done that for a little while. And then um, then went to uh, started working in a factory at, at night, and kind of worked in a couple different factories over time. And um, you know, it was it was a good experience. Uh, you know, it was uh, you know working. I, I'm I'm not a night person. Most people that know me, uh, you know, I am definitely not the night person. I'm a morning person. So um, the second job I took was um, a third shift job, um, 11 to 7. And I had never stayed up all night in my life, probably one or two times ever, my, ever. And um, so I uh, was doing that for a while, and that was really rough. And 
um, Renee's dad, you know, we were dating at the time, but he had a job come open for a night watchman um, at a coal mine in the middle of the, the woods and the mountains of Eastern Kentucky. So I didn't think twice about it. So it sounds great, better than what I'm doing now. And um, so started doing that and um, found out, you know, I, I kind of wanted to start working in the mines and I had electrical background. That's what I went to vocational school for. And so started going underground and became a mining electrician for a while. And, you know, was doing pretty good as an apprentice of that, but probably was nothing coming open very soon for a full-time, like full-time electrician. So I started um, doing a maintenance work, um, which was you know, good. I enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it was a terrifying being underground at first, but then you kind of get comfortable with it, which is probably not a good thing. And um, so um, on from there, um, after, you know, two or three things going on um, with the, the mines, uh, me and Renee was engaged and we wanted to get married. And uh, she, uh, you know, all kinds of excuses, you know, so I was having to sell. So that's why I probably taught her how to sell. Um, the, I had a teacher uh, tell her a few things that she's like, well, you, well, we really don't make enough money. So in the mines, if you, some of you don't know, the more dangerous the job, the more money you make. So, um, you know, I went in and uh, they had a job that was running a piece of mining equipment that was right behind the miner up in the action, paid more money, $2 more an hour than I was making. And so I said, I'll take it. So I'll move from maintenance to doing that. And so then she said, well, we have nowhere to live. So I went and rented a little house in uh, Middlesbrough, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, and so that took care of that excuse. And so uh, we were back and forth. We was planning. And um, in the mines, you only got off two um, weeks a year. And they get two weeks vacation. But the, what they don't tell you, it's the week of July the 4th and the week of Christmas, because that's when the mine shuts down. So um, it was uh, December, and we had been talking about getting married. We had missed July. Um and was planning on the following July, but you know, I said, let's get married now. There's no reason we already have everything. And um, so we planned our wedding and had a little country church wedding and, and scheduled done everything in two weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, as usual, the people at Nova Renee, she was late for the wedding. Um, so um, we, we thought she'd ran for sure. And uh, cause I was talking her into to, to marry me anyway. And uh, so, um, uh, but we got married, and so um, um, from there, uh, I was still working in the mines. Uh, after a couple injuries and kind of you know, seeing how the future of mining was going, um, I knew I wanted to, to try to get out of that. So um, Renee was going to school full-time. Um, I was working full-time, and so uh, we, um, I got a – Renee's cousin um, was a manager at a place in uh, Louisville and at a copier dealership, so – he said they were looking for a technician. So I said, that sounds great. So um, we started talking and, uh, and like I said, again, with my electrical background and things like that, you know, that, that was what I needed for experience. So um, we uh, moved to Louisville. Um, I quit the mines and uh, we moved to Louisville. And uh, during that time, I went from making you know, pretty good money to, um, you know, making barely making ends meet. I mean, I was, you know, I went from making, you know, $12 an hour plus all the overtime I could get. I mean, I was make, working probably anywhere from a minimum 50 to, you know, 80 hours a week. And um, so all kinds of overtime and uh, to make $7 an hour with no overtime. But I got to come home um, dressed in a polo and we first started working. Uh, it's kind of funny. We, uh, uh, they said you had to wear a button up shirt and tie. I did not own either. Um, so we went and, um, um, J.C. Penney's, um, and um, or is it Belks? I don't remember now. J.C. Penney's. J.C. Penney's, and uh, bought a, some button-up shirts and a couple ties, and found out quickly that you know Goodwill was the place to go for this stuff, and um, that's probably what started that whole um, uh, rabbit hole path down was uh, going to Goodwill. Um, so um, we started buying some ties and things there, but you know started working, and uh, so in order to make ends meet, Renee had to get a job. And so uh, I tell everybody the first few months we've been in Louisville, she hated me. Um, and she says she didn't hate me, but I always say she highly disliked me because um, I took her away from her mom and dad. And all of a sudden she went from being just a student to working full time. And, uh, you know, we uh, we struggled. It was hard. Um, it was really hard. Um, we uh, had a Winn-Dixie and um, it was we split up uh, for dinner. Usually was, we split a $2 pizza and drunk Kool-Aid. And, uh, and uh, so it was, uh, 
we started doing a little bit better. We both got our own $2 pizza and it made it a little bit better. <laughs> and, uh, but Renee, you know, remembers, you know, different parts that, when that sugar went up and she about had a meltdown on me. Yeah, it went from $1.99 to $2.08. And I just, I just didn't know what we were going to do if it went up anymore. Yeah. It was, it was going already, up as I was watching it, it felt like. Yeah, it was already squeaking by. So, um, but, um, so that's kind of where the history for me working. Um, uh, so I'm working there and uh, Renee is answering um, phones at a, a local um, um, forklift company. And uh, they was looking for a telemarketer at the company I was working. So I told Renee that evening, I said, "Hey, you should you should check this out. You know, it's a you know, it'd be better than what you're doing, and we could work together. We can ride to work together and stuff like that." So it sounded like a really good idea. So um, she, uh, you know, talked to him and ended up you know taking the job. And um, so she uh, now, starts I, like, working. I remember it was a it was a really hard decision for me. You you thought it was a no brainer. We could ride to work together and we could save money like that. And I wouldn't have to um, work at the forklift place that I didn't, I didn't enjoy that job. But I was really like uh, sick about it. The night I had to make the decision when I was going to take the job because I kept thinking, I don't know if we can work together. Am I going to cause him? Am I going to aggravate him? Is he, you know, am I going to take his attention away from what he's doing there? Because you were having to learn a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it, it was a, a big jump from, being a coal miner to being a copier tech and you you really took it in stride you didn't talk about it much but I could tell that it was a lot different for you and um, you, you were going to be going to school and classes and learning a lot of stuff and I didn't want to get in the way and I remember just being sick about it and you saying what's the worst thing that can happen you can just find another job at least you can try this and, and that's what I mean. she still takes my attention away so that that that, that did happen um the it's kind of a joke it's like yeah don't look too comfortable around Renee because she'll find something for me to do so um um but yeah we it, it was interesting so we we did do it we, we was at first I, I thought well this would be fun um and uh, again I was selling her on that and um the taking the job so uh, she uh I mean, she took it and um, it was kind of funny that they uh, cleaned out a closet and put her in and yeah, they, they put me in a closet and uh, it was literally a closet. There were still shelves in there with some cleaning products on it. They crammed a desk into the corner and uh, it had a phone and a telephone book. And in those days, the telephone book was huge. Um, just the yellow pages and said, here you go. Yeah, so I was so in the closet. So that's kind of what got her started in that. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where we were to that point. That's what got us into copiers to say. Um, and so we, uh, we done it for a while. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it when, you know, we got up and, you know, we rode to work together. I would drop her off and I would get out and go do service calls and get back in the evening to come back and pick her up. And so it was, uh, you know, it was uh, pretty neat to me, um, you know, getting to do that to get to, to be together, um, and work like that. So, I um, mean, it kind of built it into the future what we were doing. Um, but she uh, got into, uh, uh, sales, um, not long after how long, how long was it when you, it was from September until March, so about okay. six months. Okay, so um, you know, so the, the the story on that, I'll let her kind of tell a bit more about that on how she got into that. So, yeah, I um, they it's kind of the same thing. They had they were looking for a sales rep, had hired somebody, and they didn't show up. And I had been doing really well in telemarketing. They had not had a telemarketer before. Uh, and were just, I had done so well, they were starting to hire a couple more, and I was training a couple more telemarketers for the other offices, uh, but I had just done so well because to me, it felt like freedom. I was in a closet, but it felt like freedom because I didn't, uh, my other jobs before that, I had always had to man the phones, so if it was um, if I needed to step away, go to the restroom, or, you know, go to lunch, whatever, I had to plan around other people's schedule. Well, when I was telemarketing, I got to set my own schedule and nobody bothered me all day long. As long as I was doing my calls and uh, all of that, nobody bothered me. When I, the very first day he said, um, I, I think I worked six hours a day, had a lunch in between. He said, I expect you could probably make about a hundred calls a day. And um, 
he gave me a bonus if I could sit because I had I had been working full time as the switchboard operator and this this was not full time. So I was going to have to make bonuses in commission. Of course, he was a, my cousin was the branch manager and was a salesperson. So he was selling me on commission and bonuses and telling me how great it was. But I knew that I had to hit those uh, to make up the difference from the income because we were scraping by as it was. So he had told me if I'd set, he, he would like for me to set five appointments a day. If I'd set 25 a week, then he'd give me a bonus. And I had to have that bonus. So I went to the library, got some books, uh, read in a book that if you had a uh, mirror and you could see yourself smiling, that the other people on the other end would, would uh, you would seem happier to them. They'd be more likely to talk with you and you'd get appointments. I mean, I'd done it all. So I was back there in that closet with my mirror and um, making my list. And then I was, I probably did that for about just a few days before he actually got me a computer and a CRM, you know, to kind of put things in. Um, really, he, he didn't necessarily give me a CRM, but he bought one of those computer programs that have business listings. And they would dial, it would dial the phone for you and a headset and all that. But um, I was pretty old school. I kept to dialing um, on my own. And uh, a lot of the numbers, as, as we all know, is, is junk in those programs. So um, I went to making my own list and doing all that. But I read a lot of books and, and done all that. I don't think the salespeople were really happy with me because all I was doing was getting them an appointment. I really didn't. Um, I didn't qualify them necessarily. Uh, I just was looking for appointments. So that that was really, you know, one of the first things I learned about sales is that you have to know what your goal is. And my goal was not that they were going to sell a bunch of stuff, but that I was going to get that appointment. And then I figured it was just up to them if they wanted to sell something, they could read the books and learn how to do that. So um, it, it worked out really well. I, I was enjoying it, especially because they were letting me train other people and they were telling me I was doing a great job. It was a lot of fun. And during that time uh, is when we actually, the company we worked for kind of worked out, it was kind of neat. They were, they were having a contest at the end of the year. And I was still a telemarketer at this time, but if you, if they were trying to reach a million dollars, that was going to be the first year they hit a million dollars. And they had told us that if they sold a million dollars, everybody in the company would go on a cruise. And so it was uh, New Year's Eve and I was selling toner on the phone. I wasn't just selling um, at that, at, at, during that week when they were in the push, I was selling toner because every dollar add, added up. So we had a few customers whose toner was not included in the contract and they had me calling them. And uh, so I felt like I was contributing. And that was really one of the neatest things about sales. I had been learning about bonuses from the appointments, but we were able to reach that million dollar goal by the end of the year. And I remember going, I don't know if you remember, but I remember that afternoon, they let us go home early and we had reached the number and we knew we were going to be going on a cruise. And I had never hardly been out of the state of Kentucky and neither had you. And we were going to be going on an airplane and <laughs> we were going to be uh, on a ship and just all kinds of stuff and how exciting that felt. Um, and here we hardly had any money, um, but it was so exciting that we were going to be doing something so unique that nobody, I, had, I mean, I don't even know if I hadn't, personally known somebody who'd been on an airplane at that time <laughs> um but it, it was pretty exciting and um so but anyway then after I'd done so well in telemarketing and all of that they had somebody didn't show up for a territory and my boss said you know you should try you should try sales and he had um taken me downtown to one of the buildings and he had said, I gotta go back to the office and get something. You just go ahead and do cold calls here. And I was downtown Louisville in the Starts building. At that time it was still there. And I went out just, he said, you just gotta go give him one of, I had his business cards. You just go ahead and give him one of these business cards and get one of theirs and just um, introduce yourself. So I did that until they threw me out of the building. And I actually, I don't think I realized that people would throw you out of a building even. And I heard a security guard, they had um, like walkie talkies and I heard him call over the walkie talkie. 
the color of my pants. So I had black and white checkered pants on and I heard that description come over one of the walkie talkies and the guy came up to me and he said, I'm going to have to escort you out. He rode down on the elevator with me and I got off and waited. They had like a food court that connected to that building and I waited for my uh, cousin to come back. Now, I don't know how he knew where to come back or where I knew to come back because we didn't have cell phones in those days, or at least I didn't. He came back and we had lunch and he said, um, what, during this time, he said, what happened? I said, well, they threw me out. And he kind of smiled and laughed a little. And we had lunch and then he said, well, you got to go back. And I said, I can't go back. They threw me out. And he goes, oh, yeah, you can go back. Just tell him you're here. He gave me the name of a customer in the building. Tell him you're here to see them and they won't bother you. So I went back. I don't know today if you could get me to do that because now I'm thinking, well, they had to know it was me back and why didn't I tell them before I was there to see a customer, but they didn't bother me. And uh, it ended up that night my cousin had gone to their uh, corporate meeting and I won the cold call contest just from one day of cold calling. And so the next day he had Said he brought me a watch and said it was just a little cheap watch but to me it was a big prize and he said um here you won and I said what for and he said the most cold calls and then that's how he talked me into doing sales he said um would you like to do sales and I said what I have to do and he said just just what you did yesterday and to me that was amazing they were going to pay me to visit people because that's all I've been doing was going around seeing people and giving my card. And uh, so it ended up that was my first introduction to to actually being a sales rep was um, just going out and visiting people. And how my salary was going to go up. He, he said the salary's not much, but it was more than I was making um, telemarketing and it was it was full time. So it was a big thing for me. And I've I just love the opportunity. I was, you talk about freedom. I went from being in a closet to being out in the car, being, being able to go anywhere I wanted to go. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, that's kind of what's the funny part about it. I think with both of us, we, we found out we never traveled much, but that's something we both love doing now. And, you know, we drive constantly all the time. And then, you know, it's nothing for us to get in the car and drive, you know, five and a half hours to Atlanta just to go run around for a day or two and come back home. And, um, and so I think a lot of that you know, with us, we were looking at it going, y'all used to be like being in the mines, being underground. It was there all day and, and her being like that. And also we found out these people were paying us just to go riding around and talk to people. And, um, and as you get, most people know us, we, we, we love doing talking and driving. So, um, that's something that we both enjoy, but that's something with the, our business that, you know, I kept doing the copier, um, business and we, we lived in Louisville for a, a while and we, at first, we was like, okay, we were ready just to go back south. We wanted to go back south. And then when the opportunity came around, um, it was a little bit different. We, got, we started having second thoughts. We were really enjoying living in Louisville. We had moved from uh, an apartment in uh, Louisville to Shepherdsville and uh, had uh, bought a trailer down there and rented a lot and out in the country. And so we was more comfortable where we were doing that. And um, But it just kind of kept growing. Uh, we, uh, I kept moving up in the, the, the technician part of it. I'm um, going to a lot of schools. I went to Chicago for school um, several times and it was really neat. Like I said, kind of like Renee was talking about traveling. We had never been out of Kentucky much. I mean, if we did, I went to Indianapolis to visit family or we'd go to Gatlinburg, you know, every now and then just a few times in my life and that we, uh, it would always be fun. And so also now I'm going to, you know, flying to Chicago and like this, you know, it was unreal to me. And, um, and they came to us one day and told us that they had a, a salesperson and a technician job open in uh, Somerset. And they was going to transfer us down there, and so we we did it, and it was it was fun. We was excited, and part of us, and other part of us, was a little bit disappointed because we really enjoyed living up there. And so we got back down south, and um, and really had to relearn kind of a few things where we was you know going with the customers and and things like that. So it's kind of neat, but uh, we we just kind of adjusted. That's something I think with us that we learned in life that we kind of have to adjust with what the what's going on around us, uh, the good and bad. And uh, we didn't have, you know, nice cars and, you know, like we were barely affording, a, you know, and we had, a, a, before we moved to Louisville, I had an old uh, 81 um, Subaru station wagon um, that didn't have a muffler, no, uh, no power windows, no power locks, four speed, no air conditioner. Um, it was, it was kind of funny. I mean, and didn't think nothing twice about having that car. And 
So we had traded it for a uh, 1986 uh, Mercury Lynx, which is a Ford Escort. And, uh, you know, that car had like 300,000 miles on it or something. But it had air conditioner, but still a five-speed. So uh, it's kind of funny just over the time that, you know, and that's something that we uh, we always, uh, you know, made it work, whatever we had to do. And uh, and so um, we worked uh, for a few years um, in, down in Somerset. Uh, Renee kept growing in their sales. Um Things kept evolving. Um, she uh, kept getting better uh, um, all the way up to when we was going to buy a, a house. We kind of decided we wanted to, to, to buy a house. And Renee looked at it like, you know, you know I need a down payment of uh, this much money. And she's like, oh, I just need to sell you know, 20 of these copiers to get that. And so she you know, worked hard and, and got the down payment for the house. And that, so that's what being goal driven, I think, is where both of us kind of look at it going, OK, what can I do here to, to get this done? And uh, that was really neat. That was something uh, really uh, through life. And, uh, and so during this time, I never forget, I mean, when she's trying to raise money to, for the house, she also was in a uh, thing for Toshiba for the top salespeople. And um, it's so funny. She didn't even realize really think much about the, 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 that whole going on, the goals for that. And, and so it was basically this whole, the whole United States was in a competition. And a lot of these salespeople were all into it. And Renee was just thinking about buying a house. So they uh, called me uh, one day. Um, I was at a customer's office. I, we had pagers. Uh, Renee said we didn't have cell phones at the time. So my pager goes off to call the office 911. I thought, oh, wow, what in the world's going on? And so I called the office and they says, you know, do you know where Renee is? And I said, no. I said, uh, I said, I said, no. And I said I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I, I haven't seen her since this morning. And they said, uh, uh, but she was in Eastern Kentucky at the time. So even pagers didn't really work great over in that area or you know, what we've done. And so they said, well, she's won the trip. And I said, what trip? I didn't even know nothing about it. And they said, you guys are going to Mexico on this uh, all-paid trip. And um, she's one of the top salespeople in the nation. And I was like, you're kidding me. So here I'm like, oh, friends, we need you to come to the office as soon as you can because we got to get the paperwork turned in. And because and, somebody else had, had won or whatever in another company in another state, and, but they had uh, lied about their numbers or something. So um, Renee was like number 51. So all of a sudden, here she's one of the top 50 salespeople in the nation for Toshiba, um, which was just unreal. So here I am leaving my call and I'm getting to Somerset and we had to fill this paperwork out. And I finally get a hold of Renee and, and she didn't have a clue what was going on. Um, and so that's what was so funny. So, um, so all of this, this, this big rush like that. So what's funny, I've never forget all the technicians were, were upset because here I was going on this, this call on this big trip for these, with these salespeople. And that's what I told him. I said, thing about you, 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 everybody has the same opportunity I did, marry a good salesperson. And, uh, and so it, it, it worked out. But it's funny how the, the things of in life, how Renee being in sales has really changed our lives on what we can do. Um, things that we, you know, we've owned, or, but also the, the trips we've got to go on. We've been on a lot of big trips, uh, her being in sales. And so we had done it for a, 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 there for a few more years. By this time, you know, we had had our, our, our first son, Corey and uh, life was really going good but you know we um, had, things were starting to change in the business that we were at and we seen the kind of the writing on the wall things were in a big big shift on uh, what they were what was going to happen and so uh, we decided to uh, go uh, to leave there and we went to work um, in partners at a, a copier dealership and it was going to be a partnership and and um, it, it was good for a while, but it wasn't really what we was looking for. Um, and so it really, um, it, was, we, it wasn't exactly the, the way we thought it was going to work out. And um, so we found out quickly that, um, uh, that if we ever done this again, the only partners we wanted to have was each other. Um, and so uh, I'll never forget, I was working at a, a, the hospital down in Corbin Baptist Regional, um, working on the copiers for them. So I was in there and one of the guys says, just jokingly said, Hey, are you, you ain't looking for a job? Are you? And I said, no, nah, not really. And they said, well, we're getting rehired bowel med. And I didn't even know what a bowel med was. Didn't know what it done. I thought, what, what, what's that do? And they said, well, you work on, you can, you'll we'll hire you to continue working on the, the printers and the copiers, but you'll work on hospital equipment too. It's kind of the same stuff. And I'm thinking, well, it's the same stuff, but you know, this copier's not keeping somebody alive. And I was like, you know, and so they said, well, think about what you'd have to do. So this is the first time in my life that I was actually getting to tell somebody, yeah, I'll come to work, but this is how much money I want. This is what I want. I was like, yeah. So I interviewed and uh, they said, well, what would you have to have? And I threw a number out that I thought was a good number. And apparently it was a, 
less than what they they were willing to pay. And so uh, apparently Biomeds made more than I realized. And uh, so um, they uh, they hired me and I, I talked to the, our partner and told them that um, I was going to take this job. It was a really good insurance. Um, you know, I thought at the time going, well, this is nice. You know, I'll, I'll know where I'm going to be every day. I'll be inside. You know, maybe it'd be good to get off the road for a while. And I found out quickly that that's the part that I was going to miss of uh, the whole thing. So I was there for four years, about to the day. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, I'm working there. And uh, so I've been there for about well over three years at this time. And um, one of the guys that we, we knew in the copier business had talked to us a couple of times about, hey, you should you should buy out my customer base down in Southeast Kentucky and start a business. And I said, oh, man, I don't want to do that. I'm just not, I don't want to fool that. So I started running numbers one day and kind of going, well, I don't know, we could probably do this and do pretty good at it. So I'll never forget, I called her at my lunch break and said, hey, let's start a, let's start a copier business. And all, I mean, I'll never forget, she was being a stay-at-home mom at the time, which was something she really enjoyed that thought she really wanted to do, but found out quickly the stay-at-home mom was a lot harder to be than a salesperson. Um, and she was ready to get back out. And, and I'll never forget when I said, do you want to start a, a, a business? We'll start a copier business. She said, sure, sounds great. I'll see you at supper. And I liked it. I was like, okay, I got off the phone. I thought, well, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. So I took my old notes I had and jotted down and uh, home that evening. And we sat down. By the time I got home, she already had a list of people she was going to call on and, and everything she was going to do. I mean, it was so funny. And so that was kind of our start into business together. Um, we uh, you know, started, Renee started calling on people. I was still working at the hospital during the day. And I would leave after work in the evenings. I got off at 3.30. And I would go work on all these copiers at night. And uh, got to know all the janitors in the local school that we had. Um, they would let me in at night and, you know, and I would go work on their stuff and have everything ready to go for them before they got there the next morning. And so we got more and more busy. Um, we kind of started seeing it going, okay, I just, I can't keep doing this. This is, this is really, it's wearing me out. Um, Renee was getting more and more customers and, and being the salesperson she was, and I'm still you know working, you know, 16 hours a day here trying to keep everything going like that. And, and so it was, a, it was getting tougher. And, um, I never forget coming home one day and looking at her and says, Hey, I think it's time. And it was a big, big decision because I had, you know, insurance, like I said, at the hospital, really good insurance. And we, um, at this time, you know, we, by this time we had had our second son Ben. So here we are, two little kids at home and, you know, house payment and everything. And I was going to leave this really good job that I had to pay good money. And so, um, I never forget, I gave my two week notice and uh, we had talked to the, um, right before I gave my two week notice, we had talked to the hospital that, you know, we could really save them money taking care of their, uh, their copiers and, uh, outside of me. And they said, well, we really can't talk about this as long as you're an employee. So that was another part of it. I think that kind of pushed us a little bit to say, okay, I think we need to do this. And uh, I gave my two week notice and, um, a lot of prayer, a lot of, you know, just, you know, being strong in each other. And, um, so we, uh, the two weeks came and it's Valentine's day and I left and I never forget when I walked out that door and clocked out the lifetime, I feel like the weight of the world had crushed me as I walked out that door. I thought, man, I have screwed up. What have I done here? This is crazy. And so that was on a Friday and by Monday, um, we got a call and the hospital says, we're going to give you guys a contract. Uh, it's actually going to be cheaper than what we were even paying you to, to, to do. And, um, and so all that prayer that week and being nervous about it, we found out we just had to turn it over to God. He was going to take care of it. And, um, so I went that, uh, that day and I'll never forget, I bought stickers and, you know, went, put on the copiers that we can, you know, that we knew which one was ours and, and, uh, got everything numbered. And, and so it kind of started from there. And then, so we thought, oh, this is great. You know, I never forget, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we'd get a contract in, like that, and we'd pay that there. Well, we'd pay our bills with that. And that's all we, we had to do. We was working at a little one car garage at the house and um and it was all going good and yeah um, it, it, it was it was exciting um but it was scary and i remember our house payment was around 500 dollars a month and it was just a little brick ranch house one car garage and uh, that seemed like a lot then but we um you were going to be leaving the hospital and like you said you had really good benefits. The health insurance was wonderful. It covered our whole family. Cause like you said, I'd been stay at home mom. And I, I was, 
I was really nervous, probably more nervous than you, because I knew we had to have health insurance and all that stuff. So while you were still working out that two weeks notice, I went and got uh, quotes on health insurance. And then by the time you left, we had um, we had chosen health insurance and that health insurance was about a thousand dollars a month. So it was going to be double. Our health insurance was double what our house payment was. And I think as as employees, we didn't even realize how much health insurance was or what a benefit that was. And but we we knew it before you left, though, that it was a big step. And but it was one of those sacrifices that we knew we had to make. And it just really pushed us harder to be more successful. I know um, I, I didn't I knew that I couldn't let up on my sales activities and what I was doing and going out and seeing people because it was we had to have the money to provide for our family. And uh, I really wasn't thinking long term about the business growth. You know, we've been in business now uh, almost 19 years and I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was thinking you you probably were thinking farther ahead than I was. I, I usually just think a few months in ahead of the time um, but I was excited that we were going to get to work together again when you left the copier company we were with I didn't stay very long um, it I, I figured out I didn't like selling copiers as much if you weren't going to be the technician that was working on them so um, it I was I was glad to be working together again as nervous as I was that first step to work together um, it, it was amazing how you how I had gotten used to you and working with you um, and it taught me a lot about the equipment I was selling. I had an advantage, like you had an advantage having a salesperson for a loft for the trips. I had an advantage because you would explain the technical stuff of a copier to me in a way that I could understand and explain to the customer. So it made it a lot easier for me to make sure the customer was going to be happy because I would say, is this going to work? Can they do this with this? And you could explain it to me. And then if in the cases where maybe something didn't go right, you could explain to me why and I could explain to them. So the communication was so much better because you and I worked together for the customer. And um, so it was it was a, uh, exciting to get to work together to me. And I was so happy to get to go back to work. And it was really the best of all worlds for me to be able to for us to work for ourselves because then I'd still have time with the boys and do the things I needed to and uh, be able to work. Yeah, I think it's real funny uh, that some of the stuff we think about now and and how at the time it didn't seem no big deal to us, but now we're like, wow, I can't believe this went on. And um, we always joke with everybody until the first set of copiers we bought, this guy showed up on uh, uh, in the middle of the night uh, during uh, New Year's. New Year's Eve, and, yeah. uh, New Year's Eve. And, and uh, it was backs up in our driveway at around midnight. And, you know, we give this guy, you know, $3,000 cash. And we unload this truckload of copiers and didn't know where they come from or nothing. And, and, uh, and, and the stuff, now you look at, there's no way we would do something like that. And, uh, and uh, one of the big parts I'll never forget is that, you know, we had a delivery van and, and each of us had a car at the, at the time. And, and we were down at this little tire shop that worked on our cars and all three cars were on the rack you talk about a weird feeling you look in there and your van your car and your wife's car is all on the rack they're all broke down all at the same time i mean exact same time within a couple of days each other and they're sitting there going okay i don't know what we're going to do i mean renee had an appointment to go uh, uh, do a cold call and she had an appointment and was going to go talk to him and i never forget the tire shop owner felt sorry for us and let us borrow his car so she could go do the call and she's heading north well that car breaks down so she's broke down on the interstate and we had AAA at the time and still have AAA. Um, one of the best investments we ever done. Um, cause we used it a lot. We joked until that's why, what made everybody, what made AAA change the rules. You can only get a couple of toes a year. Cause man, we had stuff towed all the time. And, um, I never forget the, the, I, I, some way somebody dropped me off. Uh, one of the, somebody else I knew had dropped me off to Renee up there where she was broke down that the tow truck driver gets there. He puts the car on the rack and he's going to you know take us, um, down there, uh, back down to the thing, uh, to the shop, and we're heading down that way. And he's asking what we're doing. And he said, "Well, we're selling copiers." And 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 he's like, "You know, how are you gonna make money at that?" And this is a tow truck driver saying, "How are you gonna make money at doing this?" And we didn't say no, like no weird thing about that. Well, what do you mean? We're gonna sell this. I'm gonna service it. And we're gonna do great. And, and he uh, said, "Why don't you do something? You can make some money." 
And, uh, and so it's funny. And so we look back at the time that we probably should have walked away. And we always joke. We don't know if it was uh, that much uh, belief in what we were doing or we were just too young and crazy not to realize what was going on around us. Because um, most people would have given it up at that point. And, um, but we kept pushing through. And, um, and I think that's what makes our, our business strong. What Renee was saying is, you know, most places, not just copier places, but you know, most businesses in general that has a service side, and a admin side or a sales side, and there are all these different sides, and they keep them split up too much. They don't really communicate together. The sales, you know, they think they're above the salespeople, and the salespeople, I mean, the salespeople think they're above the service people, and the service people think, well, you wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for me to work on it for you. And then the admin people said, neither one of you would have a job if I wasn't doing the paperwork. But what happens, they call such a divide, and that's what happens to a lot of these places. And with me and Renee, I think that's what's always been unique. You know, we'll sit there at the you know, the table and having supper together, and and she's going, you know, well, I talked so and so today, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I've seen that, you know, and you're, she's like, I told him it would do this right here, and I'm like, no, it won't do that. No, you can't tell them that. And sometimes she would sell it and tell them it was going to do it, and she said, oh, you can figure out how to make it work. And and so it was so that's why a lot of her things happen and. Um, and so it, what we got to do that in that is that communication. And so that's what we've always tried to do in our business to let the salespeople know, look, you got to believe in your service department and the service department. Hey, if you see an issue here and it's like yet, let the salesperson know and kind of talk them through it and work together. And, and then that's where the admin comes in. So, Hey, I need your help on both sides of this. I need you to be the glue to keep all this together. And so it really works out really good. And I think it's something that we've got to do. And, and with that, the sales is going to go out and try to get the sale. They don't want to cause no disruption at the time to say something won't do something, but they also, they've got to know when something, the limits on the machine that won't do it or limits on their product or whatever it may be. And, um, and so I think that's where the service department and sales departments really got to be interlaced more than people realize in business. And that's where, you know, has that, and other being a husband and wife, you know, that's also, and so, you know, we were just telling our pastor that, you know, we are thinking back, you know, of our whole marriage, we've been married, you know, 28 years. And uh, of the 28 years, we probably just not worked together, probably a total of maybe six years of that whole time that we didn't work together. We've worked together ever since, and we, we love it. And the days that we don't get to work together, um, we both get a little grumpy. It's kind of it's kind of funny still to this, to this day. Um, if I have to get out and do a lot of you know, service calls and we get kind of split up, it kind of makes us both a little bit more grumpy. And uh, But it's something we really enjoy. I think we push each other, and that's what you've got to have. And us being a husband and wife team and her sales and me service really is a real strong point in, in, our, in our business and our life. Yeah, I think it has made our, di our business different than um, any of the other dealerships that I have seen or that we have gone against because we do have those two different points of view. You will, um, you will look at something from a technical aspect of, you know, will it do this and will it do it consistently? And on the sales side, what we're looking at is what is it that the customer needs for it to do? And together um, we, we can make it happen usually because on those occasions that you say, no, it won't do that then I am able to go back and say, I was wrong. I talked to the technician. They always trust the technician more than they do the salesperson. And I understand why. I can always go back and say, I talked with the technician and he said this, or they have suggested this. I think that's a lesson that most salespeople in a um, technical environment can learn. The, the technicians see things salespeople don't. We see what it's supposed to do. We see what's advertised but the technicians actually see what's gonna happen in the real world. And, you know, we're not always using machines ideally. And nothing ever goes as smoothly as we'd like for it to. You know, all of our customers would like to follow the rules and not try to cheat the machine and speed it up or put thicker paper on a faster speed. But we're all just trying to get our work done and satisfy our customers. And that goes for us in our business and for our customers. And for us all to work together so well, like I said, in our dealership, we do that really well because, you know, if I oversell something and I say, yeah, it's going to do it, and then it doesn't, I get to hear about it from the technician. I get to hear about it at supper that it's, you know, 
a salesperson did this and and you know it won't do that but um we we can work it out and and keep our promises and i like that yeah that's something that i think in life's like that and, and renee you know everybody you know, that knows her now or knows myself even now it's like yeah they think we've always done this we've always been what we're doing and we're you know we've been such a a journey through life that we've been through and and renee you know now you know she's can sell anything and I mean she sells me constantly she she says she don't think she's ever done that but she sells me daily and um, everything from you know gingham couches to whatever she's always like you know starts telling me why I really need this how awesome it would be to this how good this look the house and 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 so I see her sales techniques coming out um, on a daily basis and um, and so um, and she knows she usually sells me on it and gets what she wants and so that's something in life that, you know, we're all salespeople to a point. And I think it's where people don't understand. They'll think, well, my business, I really don't sell nothing. If you're in business, you're selling something. Either it's yourself to get uh, them to let you, you help them, or you're selling a product, you're selling a service or something. And, um, and so I think that in life, like that, that's what, you know, we look at, we're all salespeople to a point. We just got to realize how we are and how we want to push forward toward that. And that's something I've seen Renee I've been pushing her for a long time to, to do this, what she's doing now. Um, cause I said, you really need, you can help people because she looks at stuff so different than other people. Um, you know, and she's got this, this different you know, charm to her and she uses that on me all the time too. And, um, and that's how you know, she gets the things done. But also when she goes, talks to a customer, she talks to them you know, has a friend. She talks to them, has a, a person, she builds that relationship. And that's something you've got to do. And I think in a, in life, like I said, that's what that's what a lot of it is. You got to build that relationship in order to have that customer. And a lot of our customers that we have um, still to this day that we've had for a long time, you know, they're they're like just family and friends. It's kind of funny. I mean, and when we lose one of those to a, a competitor, it's hard when we see that that competitor is not taking care of them the way we took care of them. And um, and sometimes when it comes down to money and somebody saving a a, a penny over you know, a contract or something, and but you're they're getting nowhere near the service. It's really hard in business. So that's part of business. You got to, you got to really work toward. And um, we have people, you know, in different times I've had I've, life all the time. People call and ask, they, you know, I've been thinking about starting a business. You know, what do you think about that? And I'll always laugh and like, well, you know, do you have a good job? You know, well, it's okay. Well, do you have good insurance? Oh yeah, I have really good insurance. Well, how many hours do you work a week? Well, I work you know, 40 hours a week. And so that sounds great. You know, and it's like, do you have vacation? Oh yeah. I get off you know, three, four weeks a year. And I'm like, wow, that's really awesome. And, and, um, and I was like, why do you want to start a business? Well, I want to do it for more time. And it cracks me up. I'm like, okay, if you're starting a business to have more time. That's the wrong reason you have different time. But I, I like those like, well, I see you um, uh, at the golf course for your son during the day. Well, they didn't see me at four that morning, already up working on something, or at ten o'clock at night, you know, emailing people and and looking at parts and ordering things and getting the service guys uh, looking at the list for the next day. And so it's kind of funny, you know, like that when people look at business, and that's something that that Renee and I, you know, we we jump into things and kind of head first and kind of see what happens. But you know, in this in business like that, that's something we try to really keep growing. And um, our business could be probably a lot bigger than what it is but we kind of chose to kind of back it down just a little bit we were pushing so hard because we were just looking at a number always seen that we wanted to be this big dealership we wanted to hit this big number and we found out that you know we were hitting these big numbers but wasn't making no more money and causing ourselves double the stress and half the money and so we kind of like okay wow let's back this down a little bit this is this is this is really not what we're wanting in life and so i think it's what's neat and uh, Renee has been had that experience with that, and that's something that she's you know can bring to a company. And so when she goes talks to them, it ain't just purely on sales. She's kind of looking at business, going, okay, why do you want to grow? What do you want to do? How do you want your service team to look? How do you want your sales team to look? Because she's lived with both sides of that. And so that's something really neat. And I think in our lives that we continue to grow and and we continue to see us next step where life takes us and and continue growing and life and business and um, to see your boys now getting grown. And I mean, they're, you know, they're older now than you 20 and 23 and soon to be 24 here next week. Um, 23 next week. <laughs> Get my days all messed up. Now I'm making them older. And uh, so, 
um, it's it's funny, it's like that when you when you start looking back at that now, and, and and they're getting in their life started, and they're getting, and the different way they look at it is so funny. I'll I'll talk to these other kids, and that they're like just confused by things, and our boys are breaking it down and going, okay, what about this? What about that? How can I, and they're looking at starting businesses and things like that. So it's really neat to see the younger generation to have that motivation um, on things they want to do and try. And you got to take it that big jump and something that, you know, I say a lot of times that, you know, you talk about, you know, I always say we get in our comfort zone and that's something you know, I'll look at Renee, you're just comfortable. And she gets mad when I tell her that's like, yeah, cause she don't want to change what she's doing. She's used to doing it her way and that's the way she's going to do it. And when I say, well, you're just comfortable and you got to get a little uncomfortable sometimes to be comfortable. And it's really hard for us to acknowledge that. And it's uh, hard in life and in business, um, but more than business, anything, we get so used to doing something going, well, I'm okay. But what happens if I really adjusted this right here? It's going to be hard at first, but it's really going to be better. So that's a few things that, you know, kind of where we've kind of came from, you know, there's so much more in our lives that we could talk about and the stories that we've, that we've came through and the things we've done. And, uh, you know, you, we life and you're going on vacation. We just tell somebody the other day, it's right here. We used to go on vacation and we would just throw a tent in the back and, and throw some, some sandwich meat in the cooler. And we would go camp out at Myrtle beach state park for a week in a tent and would spend just a few dollars. We would go for lunch and get the, the the two for two dollar meals somewhere for a hamburger and eat some chips and sit there and have a picnic uh, but you know it's just things you got to look on how life and how you make it it is it makes a difference you have to you know i always say first you have to think about what it is you want and then work backwards from that um it's you know the world to tell you a lot of things but if you really just take time to think okay what is the end result that i am looking for and just kind of like me in the contest in the house you know when i when i was winning a contest to Mexico, um, I, I really was like, huh, okay, that's great, but I really wanted to decorate this house because we got in the house by that point. So that that was that was how I was meeting those goals then, was thinking, okay, what, what end result am I looking for that's best for us? And that's the way I look at it for my customers too. And, um, and that's how we look at our life and our marriage, our business, everything together is we say, okay, what what is the outcome both of us are looking for? And that's how we've made it happen. And um, I'm really glad we have. It's worked out really well. We, Like you said, there's a lot of stories we could tell. It wasn't always easy. It's still not always easy. We still um, sometimes battle it out. But um, we've been blessed that we come out the other side better and closer to where we want to be. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you for being here with me today. And um, I know that... Everybody will appreciate what you had to share with us and some of your wisdom.